Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. You're listening to Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me in the studio this Monday morning is Ryan Huang. Ryan, how was your weekend? It was pretty good. Yeah, I managed to catch up with some stuff, you know, the usual things. I also spent time with family. And this yeah. week is going to be a pretty good week. You know why? Because it's a short week, four-day work week. You say that, but I'm still coming in on Friday. <laughs> oh, yes. So it's a short week for you, not for uh, the rest of us. Let's start with uh, the biggest story we were sort of previewing on Friday, which was the Jackson Hole uh, Symposium. Uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, of course, in the spotlight. Ryan, what can you tell us? Um, more like an, a, a recap of exactly what happened and what um, are the implications um, of his statements. Yeah, so this was the Jackson Hole Symposium and typically watched very closely because it's a platform for central bankers to give a glimpse into the policy settings for the coming year. Sometimes they use it as a chance to reset expectations or steer things another way. And what we got from Jerome Powell, I would say, is pretty much the same, except that he sounded a bit more hawkish than perhaps what some were expecting. So, in essence, he left the door open for rates to stay higher for longer. So, that was pretty much the um, main thrust of what he was outlining because inflation is still quite sticky and there's going to be more data down the road. So data dependent, another um, thrust from his speech. Um, we've got another month or so before the next FOMC meeting. And this week, we are going to get the non-farm payrolls. The jobs numbers have been quite strong. If they continue to be quite strong, it could mean people have to pay more for wages, for their labour costs, and that could feed into the cost of living and inflationary pressures. So that's something he's going to be watching very closely. And he mentioned um, that is also one of the so-called angles he's keeping an eye on to decide what to do next. The Consumer Expenditures Index. How much people are spending on? Are they still um, bullish on spending? Of course, if you spend more, it can also lead to price pressures upwards. So that's um, the bunch of stuff he talked about. And I think worth noting as well, uh, he left enough room to leave it vague in the sense that he didn't overcommit to any angle. So he kept bond traders guessing to some extent. So if you look at the bonds markets, there are some people thinking, hey, he is going to pull back eventually. And some people thinking he's going to look a bit longer term and you know, keep rates even longer. Uh, otherwise, if you look at the action in the markets, it does look like the policy-sensitive two-year notes are climbing slightly higher and this saw also the real yield on five-year notes surging to their highest levels since 2008, so a 15-year high. So you are seeing some slight gains for the US dollar right now off the back of the latest action on Wall Street. Uh, we did see also, interestingly, markets last Friday, uh, even though with the prospects of rates staying higher for longer, they did not get too much um, of a headwind. And we saw markets closing broadly higher. The Dow up 0.7%. The S&P 500 in the green by 0.7%. And the tech heaviness that was the outperformer higher by 0.9%. And going into the morning action so far, we are seeing a similar picture. Some optimism starting the day with the Japanese markets leading the way up 1.3%. 
And you've got a Cosby up by 0.7% and Australian markets are up by 0.5%. So that is a promising start for markets so far. It certainly is. Ryan, before we move on to corporate news, let's check in with currency markets. How is the US dollar performing um, compared to the Sing dollar? All right. So if you look at where currencies are steering towards, you've got the dollar seeing a bit of, um, well, volatility in recent days and everyone's been trying to figure out what to do or how to read into the Fed signals. If you look at the dollar index, it is trimming some of its recent gains. It's down 0.1% right now at 104.07 and the dollar versus the Sing dollar pretty much following that trend down 0.1% at $1.3539. So that is a look. And for the week, it's down um, just slightly around those numbers, 0.3% lower. But for the month, it had some gains in the past month. So the dollar up 1.9% in the past month. So going forwards, maybe there is a bit of um, unwinding on the dollar. Uh, so that's action for currencies right now. I want to turn our attention to um, a story we've been tracking for a few months now because China's economy was meant to drive a third of global economic growth this year. So it's a dramatic slowdown in recent months, um, sounding alarm bells across the world. I mean, policymakers are bracing for a hit to their economies as China's imports of everything from construction materials to electronics uh, slide. Also, Ryan, this slowdown, how worrying is it in the bigger picture? Yeah, I suppose you can't get a day through without hearing about China these mm. days. Um, so much negative um, uh, negativity in the headlines. Yep. Um, if you look at the latest, you've got policymakers to some extent recognizing that they need to do more. And this coming through with um, how the stock market has been going through a bit of a slump. So policymakers there are thinking about how to get more investors back into the markets. So for the first time since 2008, first time in 15 years, China is thinking about lowering the stamp duty on stock trades. So those commissions um, that you have to pay if you're buying or selling stocks in China will cost 50% less. So that levy was 0.1% and it will drop to 0.05% today. So that is all in the name of invigorating capital markets and boosting investor confidence. So that is um, something they're hoping to achieve. And this on the back of the data they got over the weekend, China's industrial profits. Good news and bad news. Bad news, it continues to drop. So good news, it did not drop as much as before. So looking at the profits last month, they fell 6.7%. That compares with a 8.3% drop in June. For the first seven months this year, profits declined 15.5%, easing from the drop of 16.8% a year earlier. So you can kind of tell you are still seeing headwinds for many companies trying to make money. Margins have been under pressure. Good news is the uh, so-called losses or at least the decline in profit growth is not as bad as before. Mm -hmm. So some silver linings, if you want to read into it, perhaps um, you have that to cheer you up if you are thinking about what is um, the 
prospects or the outlook for the Chinese market. Hopefully it does get better. I mean, everyone is rooting uh, for the situation to improve uh, significantly. On to some corporate news now, Ryan. Uh, what's the latest, any particular headlines that have caught your eye this morning? Okay, so we've got a couple of earnings to watch out for. If you look at what's on the radar, you've got the likes of BYD. They'll be reporting earnings this week. And also Sinopec China is going to be reporting their numbers as well. Back home, a couple of stocks to watch out for, which could see some movements. You've got IHH Healthcare. This is the dual-listed hospital operator. They have agreed to buy a 24.5% stake in... Ravindandrath GE Medical Associates for 7.4 billion rupees or about 121 million dollars in cash. So this will bump up its stake in the Indian healthcare chain to 98.2% from around 74%. Wing Thai also could be worth watching. It sank into the red for the second half and this is with a 50 million dollar net loss. And this strength profit for the full year by 91% to 13.3%. The property group has recommended a first and final dividend of 3 cents per share with an additional special dividend of 2 cents per share. So that is Wing Thai as it books a $50 million net loss, um, mainly due to losses from its associated and joint venture companies. And looking at another stock you might want to keep an eye out for, you've got Silver Lake Access. This is the enterprise technology, software and services company. They posted a drop in net profit for the second half of 19.6% to $20.5 million. And this was on lower revenue. So that's a picture for Silver Lake Access. And the full year review of its performance, according to Silver Lake Access, it sees... Project-related revenue remaining robust. That contributed a quarter of total group revenue. Uh, but it noted there was a 12% reduction in software license revenue booked. So that is the mixed picture for its outlook from Silverlake Axis. Uh, Ryan, for our final story of the day, we're going to look at the best international airlines according to a new report. Before right. we get into the report, uh, the study has been done by Bounce, which is a luggage storage company. They've compared 60 airlines from around the world to determine which of them is the best international airline. Now, the factors Bounce considered for their ranking include on-time arrivals, cancellations, flights, meal score, in-flight entertainment score, seat comfort score, staff service score, free carry-on allowance, free checked domestic allowance, free checked international allowance, and airline score. Now, who do you think's come out on top? Yeah, I would normally go Singapore Airlines. Very close. Singapore Airlines is second on the list. Reputation for being the first, right? Yeah, they do. But do you know who's coming first? Japan Airlines. Mm, I have flown on Japan Airlines before. I have to say, they've got pretty good quality as well. I love the food. In fact, it's one of my favorite airlines. Mm. Service is pretty good as well, so I am not surprised. Yeah, and Japan have you Airlines. Tried it before? No, have never. Singapore Airlines, of course. Yes, number three, Qatar Airways, also flown it. Love it. Korean Air also have. Uh, Vistara out of India, uh, Air Nippon Airways in number six, Ethiopian Airlines in number seven, Air India, a bit of a controversial one at number eight, uh, Emirates and Vietnam Airlines in number ten. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting list. Um, I'm. 
I'm surprised you've got the likes of Ethiopian Airways here, some unfamiliar names as well. Um, I suppose Singapore Airlines will have to do some catching up. And there's some good news, I guess. The hot towels mm. that everyone loves yes. is coming back by the end of this year. Maybe that's going to help it go back to number one. But the thing is, I think the... Um the more important sort of um, survey that we should pay attention to is the Skytrax World Best Airlines. So Singapore Airlines is still voted the best one on that. So it's okay. All bases are covered. Uh, Ryan Huang joining me this morning on Market View. Keep it right here. Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.